Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. <laughs> wow. We were sitting there during worship and standing there during worship, and when we did that song and that phrase, my God will never fail, I thought, Lord, that's true. My God will never fail. And then, then I began to recount I, I, pastor told me to take my liberty and to be f- free and flow and be, so look, who knows? So um, I, I begin to recount, I begin to recount instances in the Bible where it didn't look like there was going to be a victory. There were giants in the land and in the natural, it didn't look like it was going to be a victory. It didn't look like God was going to come through because, well, I mean, wow, there's giants and who are we? And yet God was saying in that time, I never failed. My God will never fail. When, it, when they got to the Red Sea and Pharaoh was behind and the Red Sea was in front, it looked like it was not going to be a victory. But guess what? My God never fails. He didn't fail Moses. He didn't fail his children. He didn't fail Joshua. He didn't fail Caleb. Caleb and Joshua came back and said, no, no, God said we can take the land. It doesn't matter if there are giants in there or not. Sometimes I come to this side. I'll get to you guys in a minute. Um, that, That it doesn't matter that there's giants in the land. God said that's our land. So they got to go because that belongs to us because my God will never fail. And the rest of them said, well, no, you don't understand. And Joshua and Caleb said, no, you don't understand. And they both had to wait 40 years for all the rest of them that didn't have any faith, that didn't have a belief in God to die off. Can you imagine the last one that was around? I mean, I mean, for, how, for all these people that wouldn't have believed, and they're all dropping one by one as they're walking through the, the wilderness for 40 years, going around the mountain for 40 years, and they get to the last one, and they wake up, uh, that next generation, Joshua, Caleb especially, wake up in the morning thinking, I wonder if today is the day that old Jedekiah is going to go. I wonder if today is the day. If he can finally get out of the way, now we don't want to wish him any ill, but if he just go on and get out of the way, then we can step over into what God has promised us. And Caleb, when they got over there, Caleb came to Joshua and said, you remember, you remember what God promised. God promised me a mountain, and here I've served God faithfully, and I am just as strong now as I was 40 years ago. I'm going to go get my mountain, and Joshua said, you be loosed and go take your mountain. Why? Because my God will never fail, and we're going to see a victory, church. Amen. Now, because I like to do Holy Ghost calisthenics, stand with me. Turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 17. I've got a message, a word from the Lord uh, for you tonight. 1 Kings, chapter 17. We're going to read one verse. Then I want you to stay in in 1 Kings 17 and 18 uh, as I'll reference it throughout the message tonight. 1 Kings, chapter 17, verse 4 from the New King James Version. Let me say it's a privilege and an honor to stand before you tonight to preach the word, to share with you what God wants us to learn tonight from his word. If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, it's a great opportunity for you to get saved. We have people that come to our church that don't know Jesus. They're not interested in finding Jesus. They're not interested in getting saved, but they come anyway. Oh, I, that, I got the impression that that shocks y'all. There are people that come here because they want to come and see what's going on so they can go in and put it on social media that this is a bunch of mess or this is a bunch of excitement or a bunch of emotions or whatever. And when they come and they're, they're here for those reasons, God has a way of getting a hold of them. 
So if you're here tonight, listen, I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm not the guest evangelist. I'm not going anywhere, okay? But let me just tell you that if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, God's after you. The Holy Spirit is after you. The Holy Spirit wants to rescue you. He doesn't want to do you evil. He wants to do you good. He, don't, he doesn't want to keep you from things. He wants to get, allow you to be able to step over into things that your mind can't even imagine. So if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, maybe this is where you come all the time and you don't know Jesus. Maybe you're a guest tonight and you don't know Jesus. Maybe you're watching online tonight and you don't know Jesus. If you happen to be out in the parking lot listening by the radio or you watch this later and you don't know Jesus, can I tell you, you need to know Jesus. He's worth getting to know. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the fairest of 10,000. He is the bright and morning star. He's the lily of the valley. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he is your Savior and the lover of your soul. So if you don't know him, tonight's your night. All right, are you there? First Kings chapter 17, verse 4. Oh, one other thing. Pastor told me to push it. He doesn't really have to tell me, but he said push it. Uh, KSM, King School of Ministry, Wednesday night, you're all invited. We will pack out the, the, the fireside room. It'll be standing room only. Um, if, I can get that air, if I can get that air conditioner working, because it's going to be hot in that room, I'm going to get it working. But 6 o'clock Wednesday night, I don't know what KSM is come Wednesday night. I don't think I can afford KSM come Wednesday night. I'm not sure God wants me to do KSM come Wednesday night. I'm no, I just want to come because people are gathering come Wednesday night. Six o'clock upstairs, uh, my wife, my, my, my beautiful bride of 35 years plus, uh, Minister Jan and I will be sharing the vision of KSM and all things KSM. And uh, I, I'm just like, I just got to tell you, our graduates, oh, <laughs> man, I am so proud of them. I am so proud of them. They work so hard, and then they begin to see them step out, begin to see them be used by the Lord to bring the house down. I got to tell you, I was like, Dad. I was like, oh, look at that. Look at her go. My goodness. So KSM Information Night, Wednesday, 6 o'clock upstairs. I want to see all of you there. All right? All right. First Kings chapter 17, verse 4. One simple verse, and then we're going to take off from there. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Let's pray. Father, I pray tonight by the power of the Holy Spirit that you have your will, you have your way, you do what you want to do tonight in this service. Use me, Lord, uh, to deliver this message, this word that you've given me. Lord, use me to deliver it, and Lord, let the hearts of the people be open to receive what you would say. We thank you and we give you praise in your name. Amen. You can be seated. Interesting passage of scripture, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 4. It's about the life of Elijah, the prophet Elijah. And in this particular verse, God's given him some specific instructions on how God's going to take care of him. And I want you to pay real close attention to the last word of that verse, there. There. Because the title of my message is, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Now, maybe, maybe if you're like, my age, if, if I'm 55, so if, if you're like my age, maybe you remember these things that they had. They were called family road trips, okay? I don't know if any of you ever had an opportunity to go on a family road trip, but you know, there was a lot of things that we used to do that this generation, these young people, these kids, they don't know anything about how you, how you, uh, you know, 
spend your time on a family road trip. I mean, it's like load up whatever it is you drive. We're going to drive across America. We're not going to fly. We're going to drive across America. How long are we going to be gone? However long it takes us. Where are we going? We'll know when we get there. What are we going to do? Whatever we feel like doing. So I got to ride in the car that whole time? Yep, and you better figure you better figure out how to entertain yourself. Because one of the worst things your parents ever wanted to hear is, "Are we there yet?" And yet, inevitably, that's what we as kids would do. Are we there yet? I mean, when we were kids, you know, I know, believe me, I, I believe in seatbelts. I do. But when we were kids, we didn't have seatbelts. There were no seatbelts in the back, especially. So when you were on the road trip and you were driving at night, man, you laid up on the back deck looking out the big back window, counting all the stars and saying, are we there yet? You'd make up all kind of things. I mean, kids, when we were growing up, we did all kind of crazy stuff, like riding a bike without a helmet. You know, we, we would actually do that. We would disappear, especially in the summertime. We'd disappear early in the morning and not return till the sun was going down and the street lights were coming on. Of course, you can't tell kids to do that in Alaska. You can't tell them they can stay out till it gets dark in the summertime because then you won't see them till about 1.30, maybe 2 in the morning, depending upon the month. All right? When we were kids, we used to carry BB guns and pellet guns and, and even fashion our own brands of weapons out of sticks and rocks and whatever else we could find. And nobody got uptight. Nobody worried. We just went out and had fun. And if you happen to go on a road trip and you happen to own, your parents happen to own something that was called a station wagon. <laughs> now, let me tell you, the station wagon was the family vehicle before there were minivans. Okay? And an interesting thing about station wagons, let me, some of you have no clue you've never seen a station wagon, so you don't know what I'm talking about. Let me, let me educate you a little bit about a station wagon, okay? You had the bench seat in the front, then you had the bench seat in the back, and then you had the bench seat in the very, very back. But you know what? It was turned the other way. So if you had to sit in the bench seat in the very back, you were looking backwards. You never knew if you were there yet because you were stuck in the back. All you could see is where you'd been. I mean, you pull out of the driveway, and if your mom and dad happen to lay you down in there, you're asleep, and you pull out of the driveway, and you wake up, and you're looking out the back. It's like, are we there yet, and where are we going? Because I can't see anything. If you were the youngest, you usually were stuck in the very back. Can I tell you tonight, church, there are some people that are living their lives like they're riding in the very, very back seat of the station wagon, always looking backwards, always looking where they've been, never sensing. They know they're supposed to be, sorry, they know they're supposed to be going somewhere. They know there's a journey God's got them on, but all they can see is where they've been and the road behind them. And they're asking God, are we there yet? And I'm here to tell you tonight, if that's you, if your perspective is backwards, if your view is backwards, if you're so caught up in where you've been and what you've experienced and the, 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 the bumps in the road that, that you, you, might, you didn't see coming because you're looking backwards, the obstacles that you didn't see coming because you're looking backwards, if that's, your, if that's you here tonight and you're asking God, God, are we there yet? I'm here to tell you, I think God's asking you a question tonight, asking me a question tonight. Why are you still here? Because, see, there's a big difference between here and there. Let's look back at our text. 
1 Kings 7, 14. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So my question tonight is, are we there yet? Well, if we want to figure out if we're there yet, we better know what there is. We better know where there is. Because sometimes we get stuck in the here. God's like, why are you still here when you need to be there? If you're still here, I can't do what I want to do in you there. And when you go there, stay there until I'm finished doing what I need to do there so that then you can go to the next there. But we may find ourselves, and, and, and you can take notes to try to keep up with me. We may find ourselves two or three or four back on the here that God's like, why are you still here? You're still dealing with that. You're still battling with that. You're still struggling with that. You're still carrying that weight around. I delivered you from that. I set you free. Man, God, God's like, my, my plan for you was for you to be there, not all the way back here. But we'll never get to there if we stay stuck here or we're looking for there this way. Did, did you get that? We'll never get to there if we stay stuck here or we're looking, constantly looking for there facing this way. So God wants to turn some of you around tonight. God wants to change your direction tonight. God wants to correct your vision tonight. He wants to correct your perspective tonight. He wants you to stop looking at what's behind. Paul said that, forgetting what lies behind. I press on towards the high mark of the calling of God in Christ Jesus. God wants to do that for you tonight. Will you let him? Well, let's find out. All right? Let's talk about that place called there for just a few moments. All right. There is where we must be in order to receive God's presence, God's protection, and God's provision. I'm going to say that again because you should write that down. There is where we must be in order to receive God's presence, God's protection, and God's provision. Oh, well, I thought God's omnipresent. I thought he was present everywhere. He is. The Bible tells us that. David said, where can I go to escape your presence? If I ascend into the heights of heaven, you are there. If I ascend into the depths of hell, you are there. God is present everywhere all at once, but he manifests his presence for his people, for his children, and he manifests his presence so that he can speak to us out of his presence. He manifests his presence in places called there so that when we get there, we know God is right here at the there he is calling us to, and when we get there, we meet him face to face. So there must be, the place is the place where we must be in order to receive his presence, his protection, his pro and his provision. Where is there? For every believer there is found, universal there is found in his presence. There is no place like his presence. There is no place that we can go that is like his presence. His presence is the only place that will satisfy that longing in your soul. His presence is the only thing that will satisfy that God-shaped place. You and I were created. It doesn't matter if you're not serving him. When we first moved to Bethel, and, we, and I went to, to pastor the, the Bethel Community Assembly of God Church in, 19, in August of 1998. When we, that's when we got to Alaska. And we first moved there, and I went down to the, to the cable company. Now, out there, they have big, huge satellites that receive the signal, and then they run coaxial cable all through Bethel and hook it up to your house so you can have, you know, news or TV or whatever. And so I went and, went and talked to the guy. And word gets around quick in Bethel. 
you've never been to Bethel, you should pray for it and go and share the love of Jesus. There are some amazing people there that love Jesus, but there is a great need for Jesus in Bethel. But anyway, I went to the, I went to the place, and I, I walked in, and uh, I don't remember his name. I wish I did, but I don't remember his name. But I said, hi. Uh, I said, uh, I'm, I'm new in town. He said, yeah, you're the new pastor of the Community Assembly Church, aren't you? And I went, yeah, I am actually. Just got here. I want to see what we need to do about getting everything hooked up so that we can have TV in the, in the house. He said, well, I'm an atheist. Okay. I said, really? He said, yeah, I'm an atheist. I could tell he was looking for a fight. He was looking for an argument. He was armed and ready. He was ready. And I said, okay. I said, can I tell you one thing? He said, what's that? What are you going to tell me? I said, I'm going to tell you that God loves you so much. The fact that you have the ability to deny his existence is one of the greatest gifts that he would ever give a human being to show them how much he loves them. Because God could make anybody do anything God wanted to make them do. He could make you love him. He could make you serve him. He could make you believe in him. But he loves you so much that he's willing to say, even if they don't, don't love me, I'm going to give them the opportunity to have free will so they can choose to love me. And he went. He said, I've never heard anything like that. And I said, well, I said, uh, I'll be preaching Sunday morning. Why don't you come visit? So we all need to be in God's presence. He is, he is present everywhere, but for the believer, the there that God wants us to be is in that place where he manifests his presence. It's in the altars at church. It's in your pew. It's in your prayer closet. It's wherever you go that his presence is manifest, that he speaks to you, that he walks with you, that he talks with you. Maybe it's walking outside in, on days like this and you're just rejoicing. Maybe it's driving in your car and viewing the mountains and going, ho, oh, the God who created those, the God who saw those before the foundation of the world, before he established one of them, he knew me. That's his presence. So for all of us, for uniquely all of, for, I mean, for, for all of us as a group of believers, um, the presence is, is the there. But there are also, for the individual believer, there is a place called there. Where is that for you? God knows. And he wants to share it with you. He wants you to find you're there. And he doesn't play games with us. He's not a child abuser. He doesn't say, listen, I want you to, I, I want you to come and go. I want you to go there because I'll meet you there. And then we're like, where's there? And he's like, figure it out. That's not it at all. He will tell us where that specific there is for you and I. And I'll give you some examples from Scripture. God specifically gave Elijah from our text directions for his protection and his provision. And he could only expect those provisions if he obeyed God. God said, listen, you're going to go drink from the brook, and I've commanded ravens to feed you there. So where you're, you're going to, uh, the famine was in the land. There was no rain. There was no food. There was no water. And there was this brook by this tree, and God took care of Elijah. But if Elijah said, you know, I don't like that tree. You know, I don't really like the taste of that, that brook. I, I want the brook over here. He might have gone over there, and God would have been like, why are you here I told you to go there because there is where I'm going to meet you. There is where I'm going to provide for you. There is where my presence is. There is where my protection is. And there is where my instructions will be. You've got to find you're there. But you don't have to find it on your own. The Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you to that place, that there place that God has prepared for you. Where is there? There is wherever God has you or he is directing you to go. 
You mean where I'm at right now is my there? It doesn't feel like a there. It feels like a here. It feels like I'm stuck here. And I really want to be there. Can I tell you, until God tells you to go there, stay where you are. Because where you are is the there that God wants to meet you. And God wants to train you. And God wants to cause you to grow. And be his follower and disciple and grow in the wisdom and not and stature and knowledge of God. Whew. One thing about there, there is not usually the place of our choosing. It can be, but it's usually not the place of our choosing. But it is the place God has chosen for us. For Jeremiah, the there was the potter's house. I'm going to go through these scriptures pretty quick. Jeremiah 18, 1 and 2. You can write the reference down. Jeremiah 18, 1 and 2. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house and there I will cause you to hear my words. So if he'd have been walking to the potter's house and he'd have seen the basket weaver's house and thought, I I wonder if I can, let me go check out the baskets in the basket. I wonder what lesson God might want to show me from the basket weaver. He'd have missed God's instructions because God gave him specific instructions. Go down to the potter's house. And when you get down to the potter's house, there I will cause you to hear my words. Are we there yet? Let's keep going. For Naaman... It was a puny, muddy river called Jordan. 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. Are not the Abana and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, Go there and wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a child, and he was clean. For Moses, the there was at this point in his life the cleft in the rock. Moses desired to see the glory of God. Exodus chapter 33, verses 21 through 23. And the Lord said, Here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by. I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you will see my back, but my face shall not be seen. That was Exodus 33, 21 through 23. For Israel, or Jacob, and his sons and family, there there was the land of Goshen, Genesis 45, 10 and 11. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near to me, you and your children, and your children's children, your flocks and your herds, and all that you have. There I will provide for you, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty. For there are still five years of famine. God directed his promised people to live in Goshen. You shall be near me, God said. See, at Goshen, that's the place of being near God, in his presence. And in his presence, being near to God, God promised that he would provide for them. He would sustain them. He would support them. He would hold them up and supply and feed them. Because remember, church, it's possible to be in the community of believers and have fellowship in your community of believers and yet be in the far country, be far away from his presence. Oh, you think that you're doing right. We think that we're where we are. Man, that's where we're supposed to be. And we're looking around and we're not seeing God do things. We're not seeing things happen. We're not seeing provision. We're not seeing protection. We're not seeing care and comfort like we want. And maybe it might be because God's saying, what are you still doing here? I want you there. And if you'll go there, even in the midst of trial, even in the midst of trouble, even in the midst of heartache, even in the midst of sorrow, even in the midst of, of suffering and persecution, if you're in my there, 
My protection, my provision, and my supply and my presence is with you. We can be in a far country, far away from his presence, to be looking backwards and not have what God has designed us to have because we are there, but we aren't there. Confused? Hold on. Exodus 24, 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and be there. See, we can think we're there, but we're not really there. Or we're there, but we're not there. You ever heard it said, you know, he's not all there? He's not aware of what's going on. The elevator didn't go all the way to the top. You know, he's, he's a few french fries short of a Happy Meal, whatever it might be, okay? But we can think we got it together and we're there and we're all that, and God's like, no, you're not there. I mean, you, you, you might be physically standing there, but your heart's not there. Your mind's not focused on me. Your spirit is not hooked up and connected to my spirit. So you need to not only be there, but you need to be there. You got my point. My iPad's talking to me. Stop it. All right. <laughs> For Joseph there was a prison, betrayed, betrayed by his brothers, falsely accused of sexual misconduct, and forgotten. Genesis 41, 9 through 14. Then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I remember my faults this day when Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker. We each had a dream one night, he and I. Each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now there was a young Hebrew man with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard, and we told him and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each man he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came to pass just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me to my office and he hanged him. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they brought him out quickly out of the dungeon and he shaved, changed his clothing and came to Pharaoh. Are we there yet? Can I tell you, can I encourage somebody? I said I'd go to this side. Can I encourage somebody tonight? You're in, you're there and you're there sure seems like a prison. You're there sure seems like you're forgotten. You're there sure seems like nobody cares and you're doing, you're faithful in, you're there. You're doing what God's gifted you to do in, you're there. Nobody notices except some other people that seem to be stuck. But just like it said when Pharaoh found out about Joseph, suddenly he pulled him out. Suddenly they put clothes on him. Suddenly they cleaned him up. Suddenly he moved into his position. And because of that, because he was faithful in his there, even when his there was a prison, even when his there, when he'd been in the pit before he'd been in the prison. And he'd been faithful in both of those. So I'm encouraging you tonight. I'm challenging you tonight. If you are where you're supposed to be, if you are in God's there, don't get ahead of God. Don't try to figure out how to get out of your there. If you you know that you're there. You know that you know that you know that you know. Down in your knower, you know you're right where God wants you to be. It's there that you are. But nobody seems to notice. Nobody seems to care. Nobody seems to even know your name. Can I tell you the one whose name is above every name? He knows your name. And he knows your faithfulness. And he is so proud of you for being faithful in your there. And suddenly, he will pull you out of that there and take you there. And suddenly you'll be out of the prison and you'll be in the palace. Suddenly you'll be out of, a, out of the position of nobody knowing to now you're the, most, you're the second most famous person in the land. It's a promise from God. Whew, are we there yet? How will we know if we are there yet? Is there a final stop or are there more than one there's? If we are stuck here but think we are there, how do we get from there that isn't the there that we're supposed to be in? 
Are you really confused now? Hang on. If we're going to know where we are, either here or there, then we need to recognize some characteristics of the there. There is a place of obedience. How do I know if I'm in the there that God called me to be and that God spoke to me and told me to go there and there he would meet me with his presence, there he would provide for me, there he would protect me, there he would instruct me. How are we going to know if being there you're being obedient, then that's one of the first characteristics of you're in the there you're supposed to be. You're not over here where you're not supposed to be or over there where you're finally like, I don't know where I am. You're there because you're being obedient. James 1.22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Well, I feel like God's speaking to me that my, you know, I, you know I'm going to. I feel like God's speaking to me about KSM. At every turn, I keep getting hit with KSM. I can't go anywhere without I don't see somebody at church wearing a KSM something. But I'm not sure that God's really talking to me. Now, substitute anything else for KSM that you want to. Mission field, ministry, life group leader, worship team, because you can sing like an angel, or band, because you can play 17 different instruments, three or four of them all at once. Whatever the case may be, you are gifted, you are called, and you're stuck, you're stuck here. God's saying, why are you still here? I'm trying to get you there, and you won't obey if you'll simply obey and do not just hear what I'm saying, but do what I'm telling you to do. You get out of here and you'll be there. And then you'll be beginning to walk in an even greater level of the anointing and presence and protection and provision of God. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with them. That's the best there there is, the home with God. But the only way we're gonna be there is to be obedient. So one of the first characteristics of the, this place called there is obedience. The second is preparation. Second, I didn't get a lot of amens on that one. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 21 says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, what? How you used to be. And he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. But the vessel doesn't choose what they do. The vessel is just there, being obedient as they're there, waiting for God to decide when and how and how the way he's going to use those vessels of honor. But I can guarantee you, because I've seen it in my own life, if I'm not being obedient, if God's there is there and I'm here and I won't obey to get over there, but I consider myself a vessel of honor, when it comes time for God to use somebody, he's going to look at me and go, would like to but can't because you're here being, being disobedient instead of being there being obedient. And I got three people over here that are obedient and are prepared and are ready, so I'm going to use them. I'll, I'll let you do what you do with that as the Holy Spirit would tell you. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What is that? Well, therefore, gird up your loins of your mind, 
prepare your mind, not just this intellect, but the mind of Christ. How do we do that? The Bible tells us to pray to the Holy Spirit that he will give us the mind of Christ so that when we have the mind of Christ, we won't see people that are down and out as the world sees them. We won't see the lost and dying and hopeless and busted and disgusted and messed up as the world sees them. We'll see them as Jesus saw them. And how did Jesus see each and every one of us as somebody worth dying for? And we, in, when we're in the there, being obedient in the there, we're being prepared there to, for God to use us. Another characteristic of the there is humbling. James 4, and see, I didn't get a lot of amens on that. James 4, 10. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and Pastor Daniel will lift you up. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and fill in the blank will lift you up. No, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. 1 Peter 5, 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Closeness to God is another characteristic of the there. If you're, if you're there, and you're, but you're actually here instead of there, you're still over here instead of there. God's saying, why are you still here instead of over there? Because over here in the here that you think is the there, which really isn't the there because it's the here, because you don't feel God anymore. You're just going through the motions. I'll go to this side. You're just, you're just walking it out. You're just doing the checking off the box. You're just doing the things that make everybody think you're there where you're supposed to be, and you're really still here. God's like, you're over here. Why are you still here? Because you moved. I didn't. I'm still there waiting on you to get over to the there that I want you to be and get out of the here where you are. Now, I'm really causing you to think tonight. I'm really causing you to follow me tonight. But I know the Holy Spirit is speaking to somebody tonight. Closeness to God is a characteristic of the there that God wants you to be at. James 4, 8. A lot of stuff from James. Amen. James 4, 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Psalm 65, 4. Blessed is the man you choose, capital Y, that means God. Blessed is the man that you, Yahweh, choose and cause to approach you, Yahweh, that he may dwell in your Yahweh courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple. When you are there where you are supposed to be, you are close to God. You feel his presence. You wake up in the morning, and you don't wake up in the morning saying, good Lord, it's morning. You wake up in the morning saying, good morning, Lord. What are we going to do today? Another characteristic of, of the there is revelation. Isaiah eleven two. the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. James 1, 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And it will be given to him. But I'm here to tell you, if you're still over here... Instead of there, you think you got it all together. I think I got it all together. I'm almost, I don't want to keep saying you. We think we got it all together because I'm in the same boat as you guys are. We think we got it all together over here. When God's saying, why are you still here? Get over there. Well, we don't need to go over there, God. This is good. I, I, I asked. Who'd you ask? Myself. <laughs> How smart is that? 
What does the Bible say about our hearts? The heart of man is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Well, only God can. But you know what? He knows your he knows our he knows our wicked heart, and guess what? He doesn't want it to stay wicked. In fact, the, the Ezekiel gives us a promise that God says, I will take out their heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. And when, when I replace it with a heart of flesh, that beats with the life of God. The connotation is that heart of stone was keeping them stuck over here. But when I put that heart of flesh anointed by my spirit, empowered by the word of God, they're going to get over there where God is, and they're going to begin to get revelation and wisdom them an understanding and know what God's saying and be like the sons of Issachar that know how to discern what's going on. When I was in Bible college a long time ago, Central Bible College in Springfield, Missouri, they had four majors, theology, which is my major, music, world missions, and Christian education. Now, Central Bible College has since become absorbed and joined with Evangel, which was Evangel College at the time. It was the Christian Liberal Arts College, and they've now made it Evangel University. And just like Pastor Chris uh, from Missouri, it bugs both of us that we get sent things like, we're so glad you're an alumni of Evangel. I didn't go to Evangel. My diploma doesn't say Evangel. My diploma says Central Bible College. I'm an alumni of Central Bible College, even if it doesn't exist anymore. That's a soapbox. Anyway... Anyway, we had, we had a, a, a gentleman from Africa. His first name was Sunday. And I think he finally caught on that it was, it was like humorous, not like funny making fun of him. It was humorous because there would be times in class when he wouldn't have understood because his English was really broken and he wouldn't have understood the assignment or he wouldn't have understood what, was supposed, what he was supposed to do. And the teacher would call on him and he'd, he'd mess it up and the teacher would look at him and he'd go, what happened? And so that kind of came the catchphrase around campus. We'd be, hey, Sunday, yeah, what happened? I don't know, what happened? And it just became fun, okay? But there are people that walk around with the, what happened? I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm at. I don't know where I'm going. But it seems to be okay for me right now. If you're in the there that God has called you to be, you will have wisdom and revelation to know why you're there, what you're supposed to be doing while you're there, and where you're going to go when God says, time's up, you've learned your lesson, you've got what I needed for you there, so now I'm going to take you over there. Why did Elijah have to go to the brook? Why, did it, why was it so specific that God said, go drink from the brook and, and because I have commanded the ravens to feed you there? Why? Because it was there beside the brook, totally dependent upon God. There was no rain because God had told him, tell it not to rain, and it didn't rain. There was famine in the land. He was not very popular. His message was not very popular. King Ahab and Queen Jezebel couldn't stand him. They blamed him for all the troubles, even though they were the ones that were living backslidden away from God, reprobate, sinful lives. And yet they blamed the man of God. So why was it so important that Elijah go there? Because it was there at the brook following God's instructions, being provided for by God, being watched over and protected by God, learning from God and being in God's presence. It was there that prepared him for Mount Carmel. Had Elijah not gone to the brook and gone to the there that God told him to, he wouldn't have been ready to do what he did on Mount Carmel. Well, what did he do on Mount Carmel? I'm glad you asked. 
And this is my first, second, third, fourth. I don't know how many clothes. I'm wrapping up tonight with this, but don't come just yet. Because I might get another direction. But anyway, in 1 Kings chapter 18, if you look at beginning in verse 20, you see that Ahab, King Ahab and all of Israel gathered there at Mount Carmel. Elijah was there. The 400 prophets of Baal were there. Kind of reminds me of a football game. You got all of the, you got the crowd in the middle. You know, if you ever go to a, if you ever go to a sporting event and you got, you know, the homes crowd and then you got the visiting crowd and then you got those that aren't sure where they are, so they sit wherever they can and you get that one guy wearing the, the opposing jersey colors in the midst of the home crowd and when the visitors score, he cheers and all the home crowd looks at him. You got all kind of confusion. That's what I see here. Mount Carmel, you had a whole bunch of God's people that didn't know, what happened? They didn't know what was going on. Well, we're here. Why, who, why are we here? What's going on? And because, God, because God had told Elijah, if you go there, I'm going to use you to bring about a revival to the land. I'm going to use you. And, and it was being in the there at the brook that prepared him for the there at Mount Carmel. So the scene is set at Mount Carmel. Go with me there, if you will. The crowd is assembled. You've got King Ahab and the prophets of Baal on the one side. And you've got Elijah by himself on the other side. And you've got all the nation of Israel. Israel gathered in the stadium there at Mount Carmel to watch this great contest and the referee comes out and the captains from the prophets of Baal team come out and Elijah looks around and he's the only captain on God's team so he comes out and they flip the coin and when they flip the coin the prophets of Baal don't win but Elijah says I'm deferring you guys go first. And so they think, oh, awesome. So the word of God tells us in this contest that Elijah kicks off and the prophets of Baal, they get the ball. And on their first down, they start crying out to Baal. They start pleading to Baal for him to send fire onto the altar of sacrifice. And Baal doesn't answer. First down, no progress. Second down, they do it again. This time they cut themselves. They're bleeding, which was part of their religion, in order to work themselves up into a frenzy and work the crowd up into a frenzy to get Baal to answer. Because Baal, you know, he's not really wanting to answer. And they cut themselves. It's second down. We're not making any progress. And nothing happens. Second down comes and goes. Now they're up to third down. At this point in the action, Elijah is the first person to trash talk in a sporting event. Because Elijah's just standing there minding his mind. He's, he's just waiting his turn. You know, he's, the prophets of Baal have been stopped on first down. They've been stopped on second down. Elijah's like, hey, guys, maybe he's sleeping. Maybe you need to yell a little louder. I don't think he's listening to you. You sure this is in the, you're on the right page in the playbook? Maybe you need to gather, call a timeout, gather together, and figure out some way to get Baal's attention because he's not listening. So third down comes and goes, same thing. They don't make any progress. They can't advance the ball past the 40-yard line. They're stuck on the 40-yard line. Elijah steps up his trash talk. Hey, I think your God's on the toilet. (laughs) Or if he's not on the toilet, maybe he went on vacation. He's on a long journey. He's on a trip. You sure, you guys, you you got one more down. Give it your best shot. And they do, and nothing happens. I mean, I mean, it's a their team is a bloody mess. And Elijah, all he's had to do is stand there. And the prophets of Baal are beat up. They are a bloody mess. They have they're sweating buckets and blood and spit, and the Gatorade's not working. Nothing's <laughs> happening. I mean, it's just like, and they're like, well, 
okay, but you know, he's just him. We, at least he won't advance. He won't get anywhere. He won't make it past, you know, the 40-yard line because we turned the ball over. So he's got it. So Elijah comes out. Elijah steps out, first down. Lord God of heaven, you are the great God. You are the God. I'm paraphrasing, but he prayed. Lord, you are the great God of heaven. Today, reveal yourself. Show yourself. Here's my first down play. Build, uh, dig a trench around the altar. Dig a trench around. Yeah, that's my first down play. What playbook are you looking at, Elijah? Don't worry about it. It's my playbook. It's God's playbook. Dig a trench around the altar. They dug a trench around the altar. No fire, so no advancement. Prophets have been like, okay, we stopped him on first down. Okay, Second down play for Elijah. He says, now here's what I want you to do. Cut up the bull in pieces and put it on the altar. Okay, we, we, need, a, we need something on the altar to sacrifice. Okay, that makes sense. But second down, no fire. Ah, we stopped him, okay? He didn't, he, didn't, he, didn't get, he didn't get past, he hadn't moved the ball at all. Here's my third down play, okay? I want you to get, I want you to get barrels of water. When did the rain start? When was the drought over? It wasn't that over yet. What was one of the most precious things? I love when Marty Derricourt pointed this out. What was one of the most precious commodities in Israel in the land at that time? Water. And I used to think, like Marty, like Marty Derricourt said, I used to think it was, a, it was this great show of faith that we're going to dump water. And it was. But it was also saying, you can't depend on your natural resources. You can't put your stock in what you have and can see and can control with your hands and with your restrictions and with your liberties. You can't count on it. So they dumped the water. Third down, no fire. Prophets of Baal like, oh. Okay, we're going to get the ball back. We're going to get the ball back because there's no way. I mean, can you see how wet that thing is? I mean, I mean, the bull in pieces is wet. It's not even blood running out of it anymore. It's water running out. They dump so much water. I mean, it's lapped over the side of the trench. The wood's wet. The rocks are wet. Everything's wet. Ah, we got this. Fourth down, he's not going to accomplish anything. So then Elijah prayed again. Let's look at it because I don't want to miss it. All right. Verse 37 of 1 Kings chapter 18. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Before I read the results, remember what I said? God's wanting to change some direction for some people tonight. God's wanting to rearrange how you're thinking. God's wanting to rearrange the direction of your heart. God's wanting to rearrange the, the direction of your vision and your perspective tonight. That's what Elijah prayed. Oh, Lord God, great God of Israel, that the people will know that you are God and, you, and that you have turned their hearts back to you. Verse 38. Then the fire fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. When that happened, I mean, it was the drop back, Hail Mary on the fourth down, but Elijah was confident in the arm of the Lord, not in his own strength, but in the arm of the Lord that it was gonna be a perfect pass into the end zone and touchdown and victory for God and that's exactly Exactly what happened. Come on, somebody shout to God.
Many times in our lives, church, hear me and hear me well, we miss Mount Carmel experiences because we won't go to the there that God has prepared for us before the Mount Carmel to get the provision, to get the protection, to be in his presence, and to get the revelation and impartation of how to even handle a situation like Mount Carmel. Stand to your feet all across this place. Come on, just lift your hands. I don't know what time I started, but it's, it's 7.25. We're not gonna keep you here just because. But come on, just begin to worship him right now. God wants to speak to somebody, somebody's tonight. God wants to change your direction. God wants to change your perspective. You've been looking in the rear view mirror. You've been facing the wrong direction for far too long. Yeah, we'll take, we'll take the band. If the band would come. Hallelujah. Come on. If you could pray in the Holy Spirit, you pray in the Holy Spirit right now, right where you are. Come on, press. Press in. The fire is going to fall tonight, church. There's some fire that's going to fall tonight. And it's going to burn up some sacrifice. It's going to change some direction. It's going to realign some priorities. It's going to cause people's perspective to change. They're not going to be doubting who they are in the Lord anymore. Oh, hear me tonight as you're worshiping. Hear me tonight. The fire of God is, is going to fall tonight on some of you. And it's going to radically change your direction. This is going to be one of those nights that you're going to look back and go, I remember on this night, God said, why are you still here? Get over there so I can do something with you. Hallelujah. Come on, just keep worshiping. Just press in. Just press in. Just press in. What does that mean? That means you focus on him. Don't worry about your neighbor. Don't worry about what's on the on the TV. Don't worry about what time whatever closes. If whether you're going to get there to get something to eat. There's better food here in this place right now than anything that's out there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Elizabeth, I was on the platform and I was just looking, watching, seeing what the Holy Spirit was going to tell me. And I believe the, the Lord wants you to be encouraged tonight, Elizabeth, that there's been times you've doubted what's going on. There's been times maybe you're like, I don't know where I'm at. And the Lord wants you to be encouraged because he knows where you are. He knows exactly where you are. And even if he's trying to get you to move from here to there, he's not doing it harshly or cruelly. He is doing it gentle to get you to where the there is that he has for you. There are things that you long to see from the Lord. There are things that you long to hear from the Lord. And you are positioning yourself 
And the Lord says, as you position yourself, he will begin to make things clear. He will begin to show you and answer some of the prayers that you have prayed to him that nobody else knows. So the Lord wanted me to encourage you tonight. And I want to lay hands on you and my wife will lay hands on you. We're just going to pray that the Holy Spirit just washes over you in a greater way, in a greater measure than you've ever experienced before. So you receive whatever, why don't you step out in the aisle, why don't you receive whatever the Lord has for you tonight as we lay hands upon you to pray for you. Father God, Worship the Lord. Come on, worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. listen to the Holy Spirit. If you're here tonight and your vision has been purely backwards, you can't forgive yourself for your past. You can't seem to let your past go. It seems like every turn you're not looking forward, seeing where God's leading you. You know he's trying to. You want to go there. But every, at every turn, your, your, your vision keeps going back to something in the past. And you want to be set free from that tonight. If that's you, step out from where you are as the worship band continues to play. Step out from where you are. We don't have to know what it is. He already does. Step out from where you are. Line up across this front. I need the ministers and pastors of the house, prayer team Jim and Susan, if you guys would come. Begin to lay hands and minister to these people that God will correct. He'll change that direction. He'll flip that around. It won't be what we did, how we messed up. Oh, if I should have. Oh, if I would have, if I could have. It'll be, I'm moving forward. I'm going forward. The rest of you, I'll get to you in a minute. Just keep worshiping. Come on, just lay hands on them. Josh, you too. Jana, if you can, come and pray. Oh, let's agree together. Let's agree together. God wants to set something on fire in your life today. God wants to set something on fire, Lord. Oh, yes, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, yes, God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Come on. I'm going to see a victory.
and the fire of God falling. But I want to pray. There's some nations in the heart of people here tonight. Some of them I know. I mean, I know. 
Amsterdam for you guys. If Karen's here, France for Karen Hansen. If the Beckers, I don't see them, but Indonesia. But there's some nations. And I'm not just talking, I'm not just talking about your concern and you want to pray. But whether it was a long time ago when you were little or if you're not that old, it was last week. God laid a nation on your heart, a people group on your heart. And he said, if you'll trust me, if you'll go there, and I'm not talking physically yet, but if you'll go there where I can prepare you, I will use you there. You will be like the spearhead. You'll be like the hammer that breaks the forces of darkness off that. If that's you, we got room right here. If, you, if you're carrying a burden for a nation that you want to see your feet walking on the ground of that nation, taking it for the Lord, then you come and join these that are here. We want to anoint and pray over you that, oh, P is here. Good. I didn't see you guys. We don't want, to, we don't want this to, just to be some good idea. God is moving. He is expanding his kingdom. He is doing things, and he'll do it suddenly. I'm telling you right now, suddenly, Pastor Kirsten, if you could help lay hands on some of these. Any pastors or prayer team that aren't praying for people right now, Lulu, would you come and pray? Lay hands on some of these ladies. Oh, suddenly, suddenly, suddenly God's going to turn it. Suddenly.
there's still things taking place and we're not gonna we're not gonna disturb that. But I challenge you. If tonight you hear God saying to you, why are you still here? Then your next question needs to be, then God, where is there? And when he said, because most of the time it's not of our choosing, it's of his. But when he says there is there, go there, stay there, learn there, grow there, be in his presence like never before there, and watch what he does. I don't know if anybody wants to go home. That's okay. We're going to, I mean, God's doing, there, there, there are nations being taken. There are nations being taken in the spirit realm right now. The enemy is on notice. The enemy is on notice that the kingdom of God is coming. The kingdom of God is coming. We're going to see a victory because our God will never, ever fail. All right. I'm going to officially dismiss service, but you stay as long as you want. And whichever ministers on lockup, I, I apologize. You stay as long as you want into God's presence. Thank you for being here tonight. You guys made it easy to preach. You did. There was a connection during worship that I knew. In fact, Minister Jan and I looked at each other and she said, you don't really have to preach anything. This place is gonna explode. And she was right. Let me pray for you tonight. Oh, I gotta do this. Thank you, Holy Spirit. If in the midst of all of this, I told you if you don't know Jesus and this is I know this is for somebody watching. If you don't know Jesus, now is your time. Tonight is your night. You need to give your life to Jesus. But if you're in this room and you've witnessed what's going on and you're like, I don't know that. I'm not, I'm not familiar with that. I just need to make sure I'm saved. If that's you tonight, lift your hand with your eyes open because there's no shame in it. Lift your hand. I want to pray with you. Those online, when we pray, you repeat this prayer. If you're here tonight, and you just want to be assured of your salvation. You want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You want to recommit and rededicate your life to the Lord. If that's you, raise your hand. Hallelujah. Come on, let's all, you guys that are praying, keep praying. Don't stop. Don't stop. But everybody else, repeat this prayer after me. Father God, come on online, you say it. Father God, thank you that you love me, that you sent your son to die on the cross for me. I'm not gonna look back anymore. Tonight, I give my life to you and I look forward to what you have for me. Forgive me of my sins, cleanse me of all unrighteousness and save me tonight. I'm yours forevermore. Thank you, Jesus, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, 
Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.